today's message and week two of the conversationalist is called the sower. Somebody say the sower. Now say it like it's not time change Sunday. Somebody say sower. Yeah, like you wake this morning. All right, praise God. So today we are talking about the sower. It is the parable of the sower in our week two of the conversationalist. Now what is the conversationalist? Uh, the ultimate conversationalist is Jesus. He was the best storyteller of all time. He is the goat of storytelling. So we're going to go ahead and hop right into Matthew 13 verses 1 through 9. A little bit of a passage this morning. Let's get into it. That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables saying, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seeds fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop, 160 or 30 times what was shown. And in the best part of this story, whoever has ears, let them hear. Let's pray together this morning. Father God, I just ask that you would help us to understand the word of God this morning. That you would give us ears to hear. That you would open up our eyes, open up our hearts to hear and see and understand what it is that you have for us today. And all God's people said, amen. All right. Well, hey, as we talked about in week one, a parable is simply an illustration, right? It is an illustration telling a story about something that's going on. Uh, it's a fake story. It's not even real. It is not something that actually happened, but it is simply a story that Jesus comes up with in order to make a point. I don't know, is that the stuff up there or is that the speakers? Oh my goodness, y'all. Listen, we're getting in our building in a couple of weeks. We won't ever have to deal with that stuff ever again. <laughs> oh my goodness. Anyway, it's all good. So um, hey, just lock in with me, okay? Lock in with me if you don't mind. So uh, the purpose of a storyteller, we did this quote last week, is not to tell you how to think, but it is to give you questions to think upon. Not to tell you how to think, but to give you questions to think upon. And now Jesus used these parables often to teach people. And what's interesting is that these parables actually have a dual effect. Now, if you are somebody that has a heart to please God, you have a heart to, to grow closer to Jesus and, and live the way that Christ calls us to live, then man, you're actually going to get a lot out of these parables. You're going to get a lot out of these stories. And in fact, these stories could, could change your life. And the truth that is hidden in the story will be revealed to you. But the other effect is if you're somebody that actually does not have a heart to please God, you're somebody that, that maybe is anti-God or, or you've rejected God in your heart and your heart is hardened, then you will not be able to understand the meaning and the truth that is in the story. It will not be revealed to you. And in fact, it could actually make your heart even harder towards God. This is what's so interesting about these stories is for some people it will change their life and for others it will do absolutely nothing. But I'm not a farmer. All right, so for this story, it's a little difficult for me. I'm not going to lie. I'm a city boy. I grew up in the Burbs, Round Rock, Texas, then Kyle, Texas, 
all around Austin, Texas, okay? I don't know about you, but I don't know nothing about farming, okay? We got any people that grew up on a farm or on land or anything? Let me see your hands. Where are you at? Come on. Hey, we got a few people, all right? So you know what's up. You've been there before. Um, but listen, I'm not. I, I, don't, I have not grown a plant, I think, uh, to fruition in my entire life. The, the plants that they give you, you know what I'm talking about, the ones in, in the, in, in, when you're in grade school, elementary school, your preschool, they give you those little seeds and the plants, and mom and dad is supposed to help you grow those plants, you know, dead, every single one of them, all right, never was able to do that. Uh, my grandma was a plant lady, though. Mama T is what we called her. She was amazing. She was a plant lady, and uh, she knew how to take care of any type of plant that you could think of. If you saw a plant out in the wild, she's like, oh, this is a equitaneous, blah, 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 something or something. And I was just like, what in the world is that? I don't even know. I just made that up right there. But she would know every one of these weird names and she knew how to water them the right way. Uh, she was the lady that like when it, when it froze over last year, you know, I'm or two years ago, I guess almost now, when that big freeze came through, she's got the blankets just all over the outside of her house, covering up all her plants. She's like, all right, bring them inside, Trev. And I'd be grabbing all the plants. When you went to Mama T's house, it was not going to Mama T's house. It was like you were stepping into another world. It was like, I just walked into Jumanji, okay? Like, you you know, it's like we're in a completely different place. I don't know how to get out of here. It's like the Amazon rainforest, okay? That was her. Um, but she, she loved plants, and she was pretty good at it. But growing a crop is an entirely different ball game. all right? Those of you that, that have grown up in that world, it's a lot different. It's a lot more difficult than just a few house plants. And uh, my pastor is Pastor Kevin Fouts in Oklahoma City. Me and Lindsay were there for five years before we came down uh, back to my hometown here to plant Radical Church. Uh, he grew up in eastern Oklahoma, and he is a true farm boy, right? His, his dad uh, owns a ton of land, hundreds of acres, and they worked that stuff all the time. So he would tell us stories constantly about what it was like to work the fields, to plow them, to fertilize, to sow the seeds, and uh, to water them, and pull in all kinds of weeds all over the place when they needed to. And uh, it was just incredible to hear how much work really goes into that. And so he would understand this story a little bit better maybe than all of us. Maybe a few of you kind of can, can relate to this story. But the world that Jesus lived in at that time very, very much would have understood this story. It's estimated that 80 to 90% of the people that he was talking to would have actually worked the land for their food. There was not mass production, y'all. There was no Mickey D's around the corner where you could get a Happy Meal for your kids in under five minutes and, you know, give it to them in the car as you're driving, you know, to Dallas. You know, to get to Dallas, it would take days, you know what I mean? But for us, it takes a few hours. For them, they'd have to till the fields, they'd have to work those things, and they had to grow their own food, and that's what sustained them. And so Jesus, talking to these people, these are people that get it. There was no mass production of food. Most people did not live in big cities. It's not how it worked back then. And unlike farmers today, they did everything by hand. Could you imagine having to grow all of your food by hand? And yet that's how they did it for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. And luckily we live uh, in a beautiful time where we can go around the corner and get some God's chicken, Chick-fil-A. You know what I'm saying? Now you all want Chick-fil-A and it's Sunday. You can't get it. Don't even think about it. They're closed. They closed. So when Jesus is telling this story, you know, these people totally understand it. And, and he's talking about the types of soil, and they would know these different types of soil. The first type is the path. And on the path, he says the birds ate the seed that was sown by the farmer. The second is the rocks, and this is the shallow soil. It's quick, but it didn't last. It didn't have roots, shot up fast, but then it died when the sun came out. The third is the thorns. 
it took, it took well, but then over time, the weeds and the thorns crowded it out and choked it out. And then the last one is the good soil, which did produce a crop 160 or 30 fold. I want to make an observation as we keep this up on the screen here for a moment. There's an observation I want to make. Is the seed different that the farmer is sowing? No. It is the exact same seed on all of the soil. He's going around by hand, probably with some kind of sack like they would have, and they would just fill it up and they would take it and they would, they would spread it out all around. They knew exactly where to put it, all the different techniques, and yet Jesus is saying, hey, what would happen if he threw some along the path? Maybe he's on the edge of the, of the actual place where he's trying to grow crops. And he's throwing it out, and then some gets over here on the path, and then maybe there's a rocky area that uh, he can't really see, and so he's throwing some, but he's getting it all covered. He's got to get the full thing covered. He's throwing this stuff around. It's the same exact seed, and yet there's a completely different outcome with the four different soils. I want to illustrate this with you for a moment. There, there's, a, there's a famous thing that happened in 2018, unfortunately for all of us. Uh, it was the Yanny and Laurel debate. Do you remember this? You might remember the dress debate. Who remembers that one? Where the, was it gold or blue, I think is what it was? Gold or blue dress? Everybody saw something different, right? We all saw a different color dress. And then the Yanny and Laurel debate, it was an auditory thing here. I want to play a little bit of it. I want you to hear, tell me if you hear Yanny or if you hear Laurel. Ready? Go ahead. Laurel. 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 Yanny, listen. Laurel. Or do you hear Laurel? Laurel. Who's my Yanny people? Where are you at? Okay, where's my Laurel Laurel people? Exactly. All the Yanny people and all the Laurel people are like, y'all are crazy. What are you talking about? Do it one more time. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. See if you can hear the other one now. Laurel. 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 All the spouses are like, you hear the other one? You're nuts. Okay, that's enough of that. That's so annoying. Okay, thank you so much, Caitlin. Exactly, you know, it, it's, and you can train yourself to hear both, but it's really difficult. The point is, is it's the same thing that's coming out of those speakers, and yet you are hearing two different things. Michelle this morning heard it, and she was like, why is that voice saying glory over and over again? And I was like, glory. Michelle, you, she said, I just live in the glory, that's why. <laughs> said, I don't hear Yanny or Laurel, I live in the glory of God, right? And so I thought that was pretty good. But you can hear the same word. One person might be changed forever when they hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, and another person could hear the gospel, the good news of Jesus, and it does absolutely nothing in their lives. One person's changed. So what's the difference between somebody that hears Yanny or Laurel? What's the difference, right, between somebody who uh, hears the good news of Jesus and, and it changes them and somebody that, that does not hear the, or that does hear the good news of Jesus and it does not change them? And I believe it is simply the openness of your heart to receive the softness of your heart that you'd be able to receive the word that Jesus is speaking over you. I believe today that Jesus wants to speak a word over every single one of you. And I would ask that you would soften your heart this morning to listen and receive what God has for you. Can somebody say amen today? I want to introduce you to four people. First, um, we're going to go through each of these four, the path, the rocks, the thorns, and the good soil. We're in this series about the parables, the conversationalists, so I thought it'd be fun to create some fictional people, just like Jesus did in his parables. So I've created four people to go along with each of these. If you're taking notes, uh, the first person I want to introduce you to is hard-hearted Henry. 
hard-hearted Henry, and he represents the path. Henry is married to an amazing woman, and his wife's in the kitchen uh, one day, and she's, uh, he's on the couch. She starts talking to him about her day. She tells him a story about something funny that their daughter did, and uh, starts talking about, hey, this is what uh, my parents have going on this weekend, and telling him a few stories about that. And then she starts talking about plans for dinner that night. She's about to start cooking and trying to figure out what to do, and she's not really sure what to cook, so she asks him, hey, would you rather have steak or chicken? Henry? Henry, what? Huh? Yeah, what? Uh, what? What? You, uh, what? What'd you say? I said, would you rather have steak or chicken? Uh, uh, I don't know. Um, Henry, were you even listening to me? Yes, definitely. I was not on my phone. I was, in fact, listening, not scrolling TikTok. No, no, I think chicken will be fine. Hey, you know, if you were listening, what was the story I just told you uh, about what our daughter did earlier today? Uh, story. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, story. There was a story there. Um, okay, okay. He was not listening, all right? We all know you've been in that position before, right? You're not listening to what your spouse is saying. What's going on with Henry? Listen, his problem is that he is in one ear and out the other. He is hard-hearted Henry. Why? Because he's hearing words, but he's not really listening, right? We've talked about this before in our relationship series, the difference between passive and active listening and how important it is. And he is being passive. He's not really listening. He represents the dirt path people. As Jesus says, they have a hard heart and they cannot receive the word at all. It's almost as if he never even said it. Matthew 13, 19, we go through the second big thing, the second big passage, we're going to break it up, where he's now explaining it, what this parable means to his disciples. He says, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. And this is the seed sown along the path. You ever walked on a dirt path before, especially maybe around, uh, uh, around farmland or anything like that where the tractors are going through um, what do you notice about that path? As more people walk on it, as more vehicles are on it, it compacts and it gets hard. It's never plowed. It is never fertilized. It is simply just not taken care of the same way that the other soil is because its purpose is different in a sense. But it's not taken care of. That soil is hard and compacted. And this is what the Bible describes as somebody that has a hard heart. You could tell this person about Jesus all day long about his love for them, that they're in need of a savior, that Jesus is the answer to all of their life struggles. And you could be there for them, pray with them, uh, go through life with them, all of this stuff, speak truth over them in their life, and they simply will not get it. And it is the most frustrating person in the world to deal with, right? It is so frustrating because it's like their heart is just hardened. I, I don't know what's going on in their life before and maybe they've just rejected God. Maybe they didn't grow up in a, in a Christian household, but it's not even that they're open to it. They're just not even open at all. Like they don't want to hear it. They don't want you to talk about it. And listen, I understand I'm not trying to believe that people outside of a relationship with God are supposed to act like people that have a relationship with God, but it's so difficult sometimes when people just immediately shut it down and they just don't want to hear it. 
You know somebody like that in your life, whether at your work or in your family, you talk about going to church and you can just tell they're just, ah, don't even talk to me about that. We can talk about sports or, you know, we can talk about shopping or we can talk about, you know, this celebrity or whatever you want to, whatever you want to do, but you start talking about church and immediately just shut down. You know somebody like that. They have a hard heart. Seems like no matter what you do, they're just not getting it. And it's only when they're going to soften their hearts that they're going to be able to receive that message. And a lot of times we put the blame on ourselves, thinking like, well, am I not giving the message right? Like, am I saying something wrong? Am I doing something wrong here? Let me remind you, the seed is the same. The seed of the gospel and the good news of Jesus is the same. If you are giving the seed to them and they are not receiving it, it might not be on you and the way you're delivering. It could simply be the condition of their heart is hard and they are not able to receive it. The birds, uh, which is actually Satan, right, in the story, will come and will steal the seed that has been placed within their heart simply because they have not been open enough to receive it. So don't put the blame on yourself necessarily. Sometimes people just aren't ready to receive What we got to do is we got to keep praying, keep believing, and ask that God would soften their hearts so that they could receive. That's hard-hearted Henry. The next person is representing the rocks. She is 100-meter Mary. Somebody say Mary. This is 100-meter Mary. I want to introduce you to her. Mary loves to run. She's fast. In fact, she's the fastest runner in her school. She's ranked nationally. Mary gets to the state track meet, and as the gun goes off, she comes out the blocks like Usain Bolt, right, and wins the 100-meter race. So easy. By, like, strides, she wins this thing. Nobody was even coming close. In fact, she set a school record that day. But then later in the day, right before the mile race, the girl that was supposed to run the mile pulls a hammy. Oh, no. She pulls a hammy. She's not going to be able to run the race now. She can't run it. So Mary steps up. She says, listen, guys, I got this, all right? I'm super fast. Uh, I'm a great runner. I've been doing this forever, okay? I'm the fastest in all of state. I just set a new record, okay? I can easily run this. And the coach says, all right, cool, sounds good. So she takes off running. The gun goes off, and, and she starts running, and immediately she takes a huge lead, right? She is leaps and bounds ahead of everybody else. But then what happens? Come on, you already know as time goes on, slowly, one person starts slowly running up next to her and passing her. Uh, She gets a little bit more fatigued and then somebody else runs up and starts passing her and she's wondering, oh my goodness, what's going on right now? She starts to breathe a lot heavier and she's really struggling right now and more people start passing her and packs now, people are passing her and what ends up happening is she comes in dead last, absolutely last place. My coach used to say something in sports. I had a few coaches that would say this, and it's just a great life lesson to learn. It's not how you start. It's how you finish. Come on. It's not how you start. It is how you finish the race. Jesus explains who this person is in Matthew 13, 20 through 21, the next part here. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to somebody that hears the word and at first at once receives it with joy. Since they have no root, they only last a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. How sad. But you probably know somebody like this. Maybe this was even you at one point. I don't know. This could be you right now. When you came to Christ, man, you were on fire, right? It's like you were on fire for Jesus. 
Everything was about God. You're reading your Bible every day. You're praying over breakfast, lunch, dinner, and that late night ice cream that you have at 11 p.m. Like you're praying over it all, okay? Like I'm, I make sure all my food is blessed, okay? You're going to church. You're hanging out with godly people. You're getting in a group. Like every, you're sharing your faith with people at work. And people are like, yo, dude, will you just like calm down? You're like, no, because Jesus is amazing, right? They're on fire for God. And then what happens? Over time, life happens. Distraction happens. The pressures of family, work, finances, kids, all of the things that we deal with put out that fire and all that's left is some smoke from where the fire used to burn. And Paul says that we're running a race. A Christian life isn't a hundred meter sprint. What is it, y'all? It's a marathon. It's not going to be a quick sprint to the finish line for you. It is a long, long journey with amazing highs and absolutely excruciating lows. There's going to be amazing times in your life when you feel so close to God and you feel so close to your wife and your husband and your kids and you're just, everything's going well, everything's amazing, but then there's going to be a time when you lose your job and you have to move out of state and you don't know anybody anymore. There's going to be a time when... when bad things happen. You lose somebody that's close to you. Maybe, maybe a spouse or a family member, your mom and your dad, you lose them and then you just question what is going on. In Hebrews 12, 1, it says, let us run with endurance. Somebody say endurance. The race that is set before us. Because in long distance running, there's something that's called the wall. How many runners do we have here today? Let me see if you're a runner. I know Jeff Garner's a runner. He's around here somewhere. Man, ain't nobody running. We're about to start a running group, Jeff. We got to get some people in this, all right? I actually ran my first 5K with Jeff on it was January 1st, wasn't it? Right? Beginning of the year, I ran my first 5K. Didn't do half bad. But uh, there's this point when, in running where you hit what's called the wall. And if you know it, you know it. It's not fun. It's the point where your legs feel like that somebody has just attached anchors to them and it's going straight down to the ground. Like you cannot pick up your legs. You're positive that your heart is about to stop. Like it's beating so hard. It's like if it beats so hard, does it just like stop? You know what I mean? I don't know how does that work, right? You feel like it's going like this out of your chest and you feel like your lungs, like somebody, it's like a whoopee cushion that like that kid just won't get off of. You know what I mean? Like just like compressed. I can't even breathe right now. And it's like that kid that eats a lot of cake is sitting on it and you're like, kid, will you get off of my lungs right now? you know and that's how it feels that's how it feels and this is where most people quit you get to the wall and then you quit because I don't want to push through that that's hard that stinks but another thing my coach used to say I got a lot of sports illustrations if you like sports stick around okay but my coach used to say something to us he say come on son you got to dig deep you got to dig deep let's dig deeper today come on let's get it we got to dig actually that's what he would say. And this is what Paul is saying here. He said, listen, you got to run with endurance, y'all. We're not just running a 100-meter sprint in this Christian life. We are running with endurance onto the finish line. we got to push past the wall. And if a runner can simply dig deeper, get a little more courage, a little more gumption to get through that wall, push through the pain, push past the wall, the run now becomes significantly easier. Now that doesn't make sense, right? Because technically you're running farther now. I'm running more miles and more miles. And yet as the miles go on, they actually get easier. Now you can breathe a little bit better. Your heart rate actually goes down a little bit. You start to calm down. Your, your lungs feel better. Your legs seem like it's called the second 
wind. And I love when you hit the second wind. It is a ton of fun. And yet you should be more tired, but you actually feel better. And some of you, I believe what God is saying to you is you might be this person. You might be the person that needs to dig deeper today. The reason that the seeds got scorched is because they had no roots. Maybe you don't have roots today. Maybe you're on fire for God right now. You're like, I just came to Jesus and I'm loving life or that was you before. And now you've kind of just fallen off a little bit. You got to dig deeper, plant yourself deeper into God's word, deeper into community, deeper into prayer. Because right now you do not know how to serve God when a storm comes. If a storm comes in your life, you know what's going to happen? You're immediately going to blame God and you're going to back off. Because you don't have roots. You think that everything's going to be great. It's like the honeymoon phase when you first get married. You think it's all going to be roses and daisies for the rest of your life. I hate to break it to you. No, it's not. Married people have been married for two seconds. Already know that. Come on. Can I get an amen from somebody out there today? It's not going to be a honeymoon phase forever. It takes work. It's hard stuff. We're doing a marriage group right now. And the first thing they talked about is how it takes work. It takes practice. You got to get through the wall, push past, and then, man, everything becomes so much easier. The second life gets hard, if you don't have any roots, you're going to blame God. You're going to back off, and that word that he placed within you is going to die. What a shame. But if you can push through the loss, push through that pain and weather the storm, you're going to come out the other side stronger. I believe you're going to come out lighter, able to run harder towards the destiny that God has for you in your life. Isaiah 40, 31 says it. They that wait on the Lord shall renew their what? Strength. He will mount them up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And then Paul says it right here in 2 Timothy. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have kept the faith. Wouldn't you love to be able to say that at the end of your life? Listen, I know I want to keep the faith. I want to run the race, not just for a little bit, but man, I want to get all the way and on my deathbed, I want to be able to smile, know exactly where I'm going because I have finished the race that God has set before me. Come on, somebody give God glory today. He wants to give you endurance today to run and to finish the race that he has set before you because it's not how you start, it's how you finish. Amen. The next person I want to introduce you to who represents the thorns is wealthy William. Wealthy William. William comes a Christian in high school. He goes off to college, gets involved in a great church. He's passionate about God, but as time goes on, gets more invested in advancing his career than being at church. He gets married. They have kids. And now honestly, there's just so much more to think about. School, soccer practice, meeting the quarterly numbers, getting those hours in, trying to maintain a family, work, social media, social life balance, right? And before he knows it, God has been bumped down to fourth on his priority list. And I think this is what a lot of Christians in our nation end up being. If I can be totally transparent with you, I think this is what most of us, if we had to say we were any one of these four people we're going to hear today, I think this is where many of us will end up landing. This is what we call a nominal Christian. What does that mean? It means by name only. I'm a nominal Christian. Somebody that, I, yeah, absolutely, but I believe in God, but really there's not much else to it. Well, sometimes we call them the CEO Christians. You met him before we talk about it, right? It's the Christmas Easter only Christians. Come on, somebody. You know who I'm talking about, all right? You know those people in your life. Like, you invite them to Easter, and they are there. Next week, whoop, they gone, all right? I'll see you for Christmas, all right, you know? We all know people like that. And 
These are the people that come to church every once in a while, maybe pray before dinner, would absolutely say they believe in God, no question, right? Not even questioning their faith. They definitely do believe in God. But here's the problem. They will never step into everything that God has for them because they have put everything else in life above him. And let me say it like this. You will never step into everything that God has for you if you put everything else in life above him. You can believe in God and you can be a great Christian, right? You have the faith that's there. But if you do not cultivate that thing and if the pressures of the world and everything around you, you're worrying about your finances and your cars and your house and your kids and your sports and all of this stuff more than you prioritize your relationship with God, will you make it to heaven? Absolutely. But was there so much more for you while you were here? Absolutely. What a shame that would be that you could be a Christian and yet still miss the calling that God has for you. I would hate that. Jesus says it right here. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of life, the deceitfulness of wealth, choke the word, making it unfruitful. Does it mean that the, that the plant died? No. But was there fruit produced from the plant? No. You can live, but not really live and step into the calling that God has for you. Uh, this is the kind of person we're talking about. When, when it's time to choose between church or travel sports, they choose sports. When it's time to choose between Bible reading and Netflix, they choose Netflix. Like over time, busyness and the things that we deal with in life, the distractions of life become a block to what God wants to do. Are these things inherently bad? No. Come on, I love Netflix just as much as anybody else. Hulu, Peacock, like I got all of them, okay? Like, I watch all the shows. It's all good. Uh, I love all these things. I love sports. Uh, my son's going to be in all of them, right? But you better believe on Sunday morning we'll be in church, amen? Because I prioritize the people of God, the house of God, not to say you have to be here every Sunday, but listen up. The point is, is do not let everything else in life take precedence and priority over God over the extended period of time, or else you will not be fruitful. It will choke out the word that God has for you in your life. Amen? I want to produce fruit. I would hate to get to heaven one day and the Father look at me and say, I had so much more for you. Come on in. I would hate that. The worst feeling in the world for a father is seeing their kids waste their potential. Because you know what's inside of them, right? Parents, you see the gold that's within them. Imagine the father in the story of the prodigal son for a moment. The son, this is the son that runs away from his family, takes his inheritance, goes and squanders it, and now he's living in a pigsty. He came from this beautiful home. This, he had everything. And he says, I'm out of here. I don't want to live here anymore. He takes everything, all his inheritance, squanders it all, pigsty. Living in the mud along with the pigs. You got to imagine how the father must have been feeling in that moment, knowing that his son was down the road somewhere, out of state, living in some pigsty. You know, every father just wants their son to be successful, to live up to everything that he knows that he can be. Is he still his son? Absolutely. Is he living like it? Not even close. Because the father knows that, hey, listen, we have this amazing house. We have all these servants. We have like this amazing way of life that we've built together. And, and you're my son, but man, you're not living like it. Man, you got to know who you are. You got to know where, remember where you came from. 
But here's the problem. Money, it says in the Bible, is the root of all kinds of evil. Not all evil, which a lot of people say that. No, no, not all, but all kinds of evil. I think the big problem with money is it brings comfort. It brings comfort. And you know what? Comfort is the enemy of change. Comfort's the enemy of change. If I'm comfortable, come on, you know somebody. If you get in bed at night on some clean sheets, we wash our sheets every Saturday, right? Lindsay washes all the sheets uh, for all the beds, puts them back on. It's like perfectly pressed and clean and amazing. She's a little, little OCD like that with the sheets, but I love it. It's amazing. She puts them all together. Pillows are perfectly stacked. Way too many pillows. You don't need that many pillows. But there's nothing better than cracking that thing open and climbing in after a long day, Saturday night, about to go to church tomorrow, get in those covers. Oh, that's comfortable, y'all. You know what I'm talking about. But how many of you know if the AC is set on 85, I'm going to have to get out and move. We're going to have to change something because that's not going to work, all right? It's got to be on a cool 68 degrees. Come on, somebody, say amen. All you 70 above people out with you right now. Sinners. If I'm comfortable, I am not moving. If I have everything and if I have all the stuff and all the money and if I'm comfortable in my life, I don't need to change anything because I'm good. I don't need Jesus. I don't need God. Why would I? I've built this. I've done this. Everything I have is mine. I did it. Wealthy William, right? But if you're uncomfortable, you're going to have to change. And this is why I truly believe that we see in underdeveloped countries Thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, sometimes millions of people coming to know Jesus. Why? Because they don't have any other option. And when you're in abundance of options, it's easy to choose all these different things. We have eight different streaming services, three different music streaming services. We have a thousand different things that we could be doing on the weekends. Why would I go to church when I could go do all these other cool things? I have the money for it. I'm going to go out. This is the problem with wealthy William but if you're uncomfortable you have to make a change and so I would actually ask the Lord and the Holy Spirit to make someone uncomfortable in this place today and realize that just because you think you have everything listen if you don't have Jesus you have nothing amen there's nothing wrong with wealth there's nothing wrong with family you could spend a whole lot of time with family that's great I want you to do that You could amass a lot of wealth, and I would hope that you'd be generous with it. Now God has blessed you so that you can be a blessing, amen? And you're going to give to missionaries. You're going to give to great organizations locally, help people out when we're going through times like COVID. Hey, I could help. Well, what can I do? You know, I could donate here and, and, and buy food here for people that need it, buy clothes for people. That's amazing. But don't get so comfortable with your life that you stop recognizing your need for a Savior. Because when you get to that point, it's going to be choked out. And that word will die within you. The last person I want to introduce you to as the worship team comes up is the good soil person. And her name is Humble Hannah. I can't wait to introduce you to Humble Hannah. She's actually here at Radical Church today. Uh, It's the first time she's been at church since she was little. Her parents are wealthy William and Hunter Meter Mary. So they never really went. They always prayed for dinner, but she never really believed in any of it. Her parents never really prioritized God, so why would she? Hannah was a rebel in her teenage years, but grew out of most of it after getting married, like most of us do. She has two kids now, and a few weeks ago, her oldest, uh, Brianna, 
who's five, she's over in Rad Kids right now, came up and asked, who's Jesus? My friend, he goes to Rad Kids and, and he talks about this Jesus guy all the time. Who is that? And this left Hannah in kind of a weird spot. Because like her parents, she was so busy with life that she never really considered church or faith a top priority. She just didn't. But she definitely doesn't want her kids to go through some of the things that she went through in her life, some of the rebellious things that she did. And, and she wants her kids to be raised well. And I don't know, maybe church would just be good for the family. I don't know. So she's sitting here today listening to this pastor who's younger than her talk about soil and Jesus. And there's this weird feeling like she's at home, but also like she doesn't belong. Just because she's guilty about all the things that she's done. And she's like, I don't really deserve to be here. It's, it, she's uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. But she has this weird feeling like she's at home and there's something right. And she can't really figure it out. Hannah's thinking about everything that she's ever done, all the junk that she's lived through, all the stuff that she did in her past. She's probably feeling guilty because of it. But the best part, and if I could talk to that Hannah, whoever you are here today, is that God loves you. Jesus loves you. Hannah's heart is humble enough to come to church anyway and to be open to maybe what God would speak to her. And God's calling you, whatever your name is today, Hannah, William, Mary, Henry, Bill, John, Evelyn. I don't know what your name is. But whoever you are in this story, I hope that you would humble yourself no matter how good or bad your life is. No matter if you're wealthy William and you think you got it all together, you don't need God or you feel like you have nothing. I hope that all of you would turn to Jesus today. And you might be here today with a hard heart. You barely even came to church today. You don't even like Christians. You don't even like church. You're barely even here. Your wife dragged you, I know. Jesus loves you. You might be like Mary, on fire for God at one point, but you've lost the passion and now you feel stuck. Jesus loves you too. There's some Williams here. There definitely are. Been so obsessed with everything else in life. They've just been so busy. And all the obligations at work and just life in general that you've just kind of put God to the side. Jesus loves you too. And you might be Hannah, hearing about Jesus for the first time, ready to receive all that God has for you because your heart is open right now to say yes. Jesus certainly loves you too. But the seed falling on good soil, Jesus says, refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. One thing that we don't really notice often, the farmer is sowing on the same field. It's one field. So maybe you don't necessarily relate to one of these people, but maybe you have a few areas in your life, Christians in the room, can I talk to you for a second? Maybe you have an area in your life where it is a little bit rocky. He's throwing the seed all on the same. This whole story is technically about one field, 
Imagine yourself as the entire field, and you might have bits and pieces of all four of these people in certain areas, in certain ways in your life. And maybe Christ followers here today, you've been in church for a long time, but you realize, hey, this area is getting a little rocky. I'm a little shallow here. And maybe this area, I, I have been prioritizing something else more than God in my life, and I need to redirect a little bit here today. Maybe you just need to humble yourself and hear the word of God spoken over you again. Hear the good news spoken over you again. Just humble yourself down and say, hey, listen, I feel like I have everything. I feel like I'm solid like William, but I need to be more like Hannah today. The good news is that Jesus died for your sin. He died for mine. Come on, he was raised again on the third day. And he loves each and every one of us in this place. I want to just talk about the good news, right? Because this is what this story is really about. What is the seed? It is the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We know uh, what's ha- what happens. Jesus comes to earth, the son of God, fully God, fully man, and dies on a cross for you and for me so that we could have access now to the father and have life abundantly. Not a defeated, not a broken, not a messed up life. Listen, is is life going to happen? Yes. But Jesus is now on our side. He is on your team when you say yes to him. You are now a child of God. When you say yes to him, the Bible says that your sins are thrown as far as the east is from the west as if they never even existed. That is the good news of Jesus. He's made a way for us to get to heaven. He's made a way when there is no way. So as we are about to sing here in a moment, we're gonna sing that living hope song again and talk about and and praise God for the living hope. That Jesus is not dead, y'all, he is alive. And the Bible says he loves you and he's up there in heaven praying for you right now. I'd like to invite you to stand with me today. I hope that you've been open enough like Hannah, humble enough to see the certain areas in your life where you might need to make a change and make a shift. And thank God for this amazing story of the sower that Jesus has given us. What an amazing truth. But I wanna ask today, maybe you're in this place and you'd say, hey, I need to get right with God. I've never given my life to Jesus or I've strayed so far away like I'm not really living for Jesus. And you know if you're not, right? Can I just encourage you to make that decision today? You don't gotta wait till Easter. You don't gotta wait until all the hoopla of of Easter and oh, Resurrection Sunday, yes, now I'm gonna give my life to Jesus. No, 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 just do it now. Start it now. I, I remember in December, it was late November, December, I got a home gym at my house and I posted something on my Instagram story. I was working out and I said, why wait until January 1st when you have December 13th? Just a random day. Didn't mean anything to anybody else, but to me it was the start of a health journey. Down 25 pounds now. It's amazing. Come on now, right? Yeah. But why would you wait to find your healing on a different day when you could start it right now? Jesus is here now. The Holy Spirit's here now. Make the change now. I want you to be uncomfortable. The Holy Spirit doesn't make you comfortable. Sometimes he gets you a little uncomfortable so that you have to move out from where you've been, get you out of the same habits and the same traditions that you've been doing. He's gonna turn up the heat today to 90. 
a hundred until you finally throw up the covers and say, who turned it up that high? And you got to go change it down. That's what the Holy Spirit is doing with you in your heart right now. And I know there's somebody out there that needs to say yes to Jesus today. Needs to say yes to him again. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Come on, would you make that decision today? If that's you and you need to say yes to Jesus, man, I just want you to know he loves you so much. He cares for you. And he's with you right here, right now. On the count of three, I just want you to raise your hand and look up at me real quick. When I see you, you can put your hand right back down. If that's you, one, two, three. Come on, I see you right there in the back. You're raising your hand already. I see you guys, come on. I see you back here, right here, my man. Right here in the back, I see you guys. Come on, thank you, Jesus, come on. Is there anybody else? We got eight people saying yes to Jesus today. Is there anybody else that wants to say yes today? I see you right here, come on. I see you in the back, yes, ma'am. Is there anybody else? Come on, can we give God praise for a second for what he's doing in the house today? Spring break, time change Sunday. Come on, we have joy in the house of the Lord. You can't hold back what God wants to do today. He's changing hearts. He's breaking chains right now. Come on, so let's worship together. Let's worship God like he created the universe. Come on, let's worship God like he loves us. Let's worship this Jesus that is sowing his seed of truth into your life right now. Come on, let's sing together. Thank you, Jesus. 
Father God, I bless every single person that's here today. Lord, would you help them to take the word that has been sown into their hearts today, that it would not die, that it would not return void, but that they would become fruitful in their life with you, Jesus. God, I pray for fruit in every single person's life that's here today. Lord, that they would not just be a Christian, but they would step into their calling, that they would not just be passive, but they would be actively engaged in the calling and the purpose and the destiny that you have for each and every one of them. Lord, I pray blessings over their family. I pray blessings over their children. In the name of Jesus, I ask that their children would not grow up opposed to you with a hard heart, but God, that you would help us as parents to raise our kids in godly ways, that they would never depart from you. Right now, we declare that in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that when each and every person that is in this room gets to their deathbed, that they can look at their spouse, they can look at their family that surrounds them and says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have kept the faith. Dear Jesus, I thank you for every person here today. We give you all the praise, all the glory, and all of the honor. And can I get a big hearty amen from somebody that loves Jesus today? Amen, amen, amen. Hey, man, thank you so much for worshiping with us today. It really does mean a lot. And like I said, if you're new to Radical Church, I just want to say welcome. I want to say thank you for being here with us today. Please fill out a connect card. If you're somebody that wants to get involved, you don't want to be that Christian that misses your calling. You don't want to be somebody that sits passively by, but you want to actively engage. Man, sign up for Growth Track today, four o'clock. I'll meet you there on Zoom. But make sure you sign up. We'll send you the link. Uh, and please, if you are new, I'll be right outside. Would love to meet you and your family. God bless you so much. We'll see you next week.